You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. Good afternoon and welcome to One Hour at a Time. Recovery begins with education and host Mary Woods is here to educate individuals and families and provide support through the recovery process. Now here's your host, Mary Woods. Everybody to one hour at a time. Um, my name is Mary Woods, and I am the CEO of Westbridge Community Services. And I'm very pleased to have you all listening today. Um, we have a really uh, timely topic, and that's advocacy and the addiction professional. And I would just like to begin by introducing our guest, um, Daniel. Daniel, help me with this. Guarnera. Uh, thank you. Is the government relations liaison for NADAC, the association? of Addiction Professionals, and the National Association of Addiction Treatment Providers. Um, Daniel is responsible for the day-to-day public policy operations of both organizations, ensuring that the issues most important to addiction professionals and treatment providers are addressed by decision makers in our government. Daniel coordinates the Public Policy Committee and the Political Action Committee, the only political action committee, by the way, for um, the addiction profession and the addiction treatment field. Um, Daniel also assists in organizing the annual NADAC NATAP Advocacy Conference in Washington, D.C., which is going to be next month, and I'm sure Daniel will talk to us a little bit more about that. Um, Daniel first worked for NADAC in 2005 and has been at his current position since June 2007. He graduated summa cum laude and Phi Beta Kappa from American University with a double bachelor in arts degrees in political science and French and European studies. He was a recipient of the Outstanding Award for Undergraduate Scholarship, the university's second highest undergraduate honor, the Fletcher Scholar Award for Integrity, Service, and Academic Achievement, and the Bryce Harlow Foundation Ethics and Lobbying Essay Contest uh, first prize. He is originally from New Jersey and now lives in Arlington, Virginia. Welcome, Daniel. And Hi, Mary. I know Thank you. all of us at NADAC feel very grateful that you are with us. Thank you very I'd much. also like to introduce our other guest, um, Jerry Schmidt, who is um, who has a master's in um, counseling. Jerry, yep, master's <laughs> in counseling. He also is a master's level addiction professional, and he is the vice president and chief development officer at Valley Healthcare System since 1980. Um, he has been in the mental health and addictions treatment profession for over 35 years. You started when you were very young. <laughs> very he young. began his career with the state of West Virginia, working as an alcohol and drug counselor, doing assessments, treatment, and prevention in January 1972. Uh, Jerry has had a variety of publications to his credit, including several articles on the development of employee assistance programs in rural areas and wellness in the workplace, as well as a variety of articles in an addiction professional, NADAC's professional publication, and the Behavioral Health Care magazine. Jerry has served on the Center for Substance Abuse Treatment Expert Panel for the National Treatment Plan Development, which will shape the course of addictions treatment for the next 10 years. Jerry's edited the treatment improvement protocols for CSAT for several years. Jerry is also currently the clinical affairs consultant for NADAC, as well as the chair of the Public Policy Committee, and has been active in the coordination of delivery of the, of the series of practitioner services network projects for NADAC and CSAT. Jerry had graduated from Fairmont State College with a BA in psychology in 1971, received a master's in counseling psychology from West Virginia University in 1976. Jerry's a licensed 
uh, professional counselor and certified master's addiction counselor, as well as a licensed clinical supervisor. And somehow you have fi- find time to run, what, five miles a day? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you got to do that. You get to be my age. Uh, thank you, Mary. Uh, you're welcome. I'm, I'm really uh, glad you're both here because this is the primary season. There's a lot at stake this time around, as there is every four years, but, but this time especially so. We have... Um, so many challenges facing our profession and so many challenges facing our workforce and um, just treatment in general. And Jerry, could you just begin by talking about what advocacy is and why is it important for addiction counselors or anyone who has any interest in family members, uh, people in recovery, why is it important? Well, Mary, it's interesting. I, it, it, after all these years, because uh, I have to admit in very, you know, Early on, it certainly wasn't uh, on my radar. But I think the longer you're you're in this profession, I think one of the things that really comes to light, particularly depending on what sector you you work in, and I've always been pretty much in the private, not uh, for profit, uh, which borders on being a public sector. But what you find is, is uh, if if you don't advocate, uh, there's no one out there that uh, is standing in line advocating for. Uh, this disability group, and I think what's really important is that um, whether at the federal level, uh, or state, or, or local level, uh, it, it's, it's generally about education. It's generally about bringing the issue to the forefront with um, with any government entity, particularly with legislators and lawmakers. Um, oftentimes, they they don't act because they don't have information. Uh, and I think the more information that you can provide them with, the more informed decision they can make. I mean, there's only so many pieces to the pie. I understand that. And, I, and we're, you know, we're in a group, uh, you know, where, you know, healthcare costs are going up and, uh, but we have a lot of really, really good statistics about how treatment works and how it reduces actual long-term expenses for other health-related issues, um, related to addiction. So, it's important for the treatment professional. A lot of people say, well, you know, I'm really not comfortable doing that. Well, not everybody is, but I think there's enough, you know, addiction treatment professionals out there that need to find their niche. It may not be at the national level. It may be at their local city or county or municipality level, but it has to start somewhere. And actually, from the bottom up is is a good place. Some of us are, are more comfortable than others. Uh, advocating uh, in Washington and, you know, taking our cause to the Hill because United as a voice, I think it's, it's really important. One voice you know, doesn't feel like it makes a difference, but when you, when you put all those voices together, I think it becomes not only uh, a critical mass, it, it, it really gets the, the message out. And, and I think we've seen uh, in the media lately how much, uh, publicity there is around, you know, some of the more uh, celebrity types in terms of uh, the problems that that they have with addiction, and unfortunately, I think sometimes that has a tendency, perhaps, to skew what addiction really looks like, particularly with all the reality shows on now that that are focusing around treatment. You know, when it when it gets right down to it, uh, a lot of the folks that uh, that we're serving uh, across the United States. Uh, are folks that typically don't have a lot of access to care. And so what we're trying to do is is get more and more funds available to treat 
you know, the larger percentage of the population that typically can't, can't afford uh, treatment and to make sure that there are uh, enough beds or enough treatment programs or n- enough variety in terms of uh, the types of treatment that can be available to, uh, to folks that, uh, that need it. Thank you. Daniel, could you explain to our listeners a little bit about um, what NADAC does and NATAP? Um, as past president of NADAC, I know that um, we've been involved for almost almost 30 years, if not a little bit longer, in terms of trying to advocate and, and educate legislators. But could you just let our listeners know um, what exactly it is that, that we do? Sure, Mary. So, um, as you mentioned, NADAC has is one of the most long-term um, groups in the addiction treatment uh, advocacy field in Washington. And so uh, one of the benefits for people like me who are relatively new to the field is that NADAC has built up such a strong name recognition and really has uh, for so long been an advocate on this issue that people have a very positive and strong association with it uh, when we talk about the issues that we talk about. So, um, you know, firstly, that has to be said that the, the time, the length of time that NADAC's been involved uh, in this in this issue has really put it in a good position going forward. Now, NADAC and NAATP, as of June of last year, entered into this very, very unique uh, shared government relations department agreement where the two organizations said that they would share resources in the area of government relations and no other areas of the organizations, just in this specifically to really increase the impact that both organizations are able to have in Washington, D.C. And so that led to uh, sort of a, a broad restructuring of their government relations mission, which included uh, restructuring the staffing, among other things. So that means that I'm a full-time um, advocate on behalf of NADAC and NATAP in Washington. We've added a, um, a government relations consultant to help uh, us plan strategically for the long term. Uh, his name is Mark Dunn, and we're very excited about working with him. He's been involved in Washington for many, many years, but not specifically in this area. So to bring a new uh, and well-established person into, into um, this advocacy field is really a, a great thing to do um, and to be able to use his existing contacts to strengthen and deepen um, our mission now. So... That being said, now that NADAC and NATAP have joined forces, they've created a joint public policy committee as well, and they're, we're moving towards um, jointly operating our political action committee so we can make political donations. That being said, we follow the issues that at the federal level and to a lesser extent at the state level have a direct impact on addiction, prevention, treatment, and recovery in this country. And so that includes trying to promote legislation where appropriate. Uh, so, for example, parity, uh, insurance parity legislation obviously was one of the biggest stories of last year, and I'm sure we'll come back to it. And then when the situation arises to try and stop legislation that would be harmful to uh, addiction, treatment, prevention, and recovery in the United States. So, for example, a current effort that's um, ongoing right now to lower the tax on alcohol. So... Uh, where things are appropriate to promote, we try to promote them um, in Washington. Where things are appropriate to stop, we try to stop them. And throughout all of that, we try to promote um, a level of understanding and education about 
what addiction treatment is, what addiction looks like in America among our decision makers so that they can make educated and responsible decisions um, through legislation, through regulation, and through policy where appropriate. I think it's important also for um, our listeners to understand that um, when you go up to Capitol Hill to talk to either in the Senate or um, the House, there we, we have friends, um, they're the addiction treatment providers and, and people who suffer from uh, this illness. There are people on the Hill that are friendly to our cause. And maybe you could talk a little bit about uh, the different groups that have formed um, around the issue of substance abuse. Sure. So, uh, firstly, I think it's important to say that really great strides have been made in recent years for all of the addiction-focused organizations in Washington to work together and to promote a unified voice uh, on this issue because uh, there's strength and unity without question here. And so being able to appear as, a, as the field of addiction treatment prevention and recovery organizations really gives us a much stronger voice than if each individual organization was making its own, um, you know, its own plea to Capitol Hill. So uh, groups like the National Association of State Alcohol and Drug Abuse Directors, Faces and Voices of Recovery, Legal Action Center, uh, and, you know, many, many others, we've really tried to work together uh, more and more in recent years, and we've really been very successful. We'll talk later on, I'm sure, about the upcoming Advocacy and Action Conference in Washington, D.C. in March, and one of the side effects or one of the things that happens at the same time as that is that all of these groups will be sending their leadership to Washington to meet with high-ranking members of Congress as a united field to promote the issues that are important to all of us. Um, we'll be right back uh, to talk more about advocacy and the addiction professional and what are the current um, challenges and opportunities we have on Capitol Hill. We'll be right back. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. Westbridge Community Services. Westbridge is a nonprofit organization dedicated to supporting the recovery of families and individuals who experience co-occurring mental illness and substance use disorders. Westbridge provides integrated dual diagnosis treatment for adult men and women using evidence-based practices. Visit our site today at westbridge.org and discover that doing what works in helping individuals and families gain recovery from dual disorders is important to the staff at Westbridge Community Services. Westbridge utilizes current evidence-based practices, consensus practices, and old-fashioned common sense to provide treatment to individuals and families that experience co-occurring mental illness and substance use disorders. That's westbridge.org, family center recovery for co-occurring mental illness and substance abuse disorders. If you're looking for a better way to clean the air in your home or office, you need the all-new ozone light. It's as simple as changing your light bulbs. The ozone light looks like a normal spiral type of light bulb. It screws in most standard light sockets, but it's not a normal light bulb. It's coated with titanium dioxide. It's completely safe, but this unique coating kills most airborne bacteria, mold spores, and neutralizes odors. Just one light cleans the air in an entire room and lasts eight times longer than the normal light bulb. If you have 
smokers, if you have allergies, if you have pet odors, mold or mildew, you need the ozone light. It will wipe them out. And you have our word. If you're not satisfied with the way the ozone light cleans the air in your home, simply return it for a full refund. Here's the number to call to order. 800-380-4259. 800-380-4259. Save up to $100 now. 800-380-4259. 800-380-4259. A fresh look at today's health. Voice America Health and Wellness. You're listening to One Hour at a Time with host Mary Woods. If you have a question for Mary or her guest, call now. The listener lines are open. The toll-free number is 1-866-472-5792. That number again is 1-866-472-5792. Now, let's get back to Mary and One Hour at a Time. Welcome back, everybody, to One Hour at a Time. Today we have um, a great topic and timely topic, uh, advocacy and the addiction professional. And I think I would just like to begin um, by just saying that it's all of our responsibility to advocate, whether it's on our national level, a county level, a local level, or um, our local school boards, um, and that advocating for addiction treatment or for parity or or for any of these issues is part of our um, privilege as a citizen and that I know that some people who are in recovery feel that advocate that it's somehow against a tradition to advocate. And I think that there's a way there I know there's a way to do that within um, in, within the context of being in recovery but not having to talk about what self help group Mm-hmm. So I would just like to invite those of you who are in recovery who are thinking, I can't do that, um, to really join in this effort because you can do that, and it's really important to put a face on recovery. And um, Jerry and, and Daniel, could you talk a little bit about what are, our press, what are the most pressing issues right now that we face? Before uh, we move into that, I'd just like to echo what you said, Mary, and um, it could not be more important that people stand up and, and talk about what recovery means to them and the impact that it's had on their lives and their families because that's really the only way that in the long run um, the the government is going to come around to understanding that addiction treatment works so that recovery is possible. Uh, and, you know, I, I certainly understand and respect people's concerns about anonymity and um, their personal uh, concerns about sharing their story, but... There are many, many ways to, to advocate, everything from voting to writing a letter to the editor to writing a letter to your member of Congress to going to a local town hall or um, a campaign meeting to visiting your member of Congress when they're back in the district. All of those and you know, a million other things fit into that range. Uh, and so those, those sort of steps that anyone can take are just invaluably important uh, and for people in recovery in particular, I just direct you to um, Faces and Voices of Recovery's website, which has a lot of information about um, about anonymity and about how people in recovery can best represent themselves to people in government so that they understand the message that recovery is possible and that it saves saves lives and saves families. Well, and, and you know, you, you hit on a, a real interesting point, I, and I, I think it's, it's critical, Daniel, Mary, that... You know, and I think Mary, you said it earlier about you know putting a face 
uh, on recovery. I mean, not everyone that's in recovery that that is uh, whether they're an addiction professional or you know just uh, living a you know a, a private life, but have a, a vested interest in uh, in recovery and how treatment works. I think it's 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 critical because you know being a uh, you know a provider that's been around a lot of years. Uh, when I started back in the early 70s, most of what was being provided out there in terms of um, any type of intervention, whether you want to call it treatment or quasi-educational, most of it was being done uh, by the you know folks in recovery themselves coming out of their issues, you know, coming out of their own recovery experience. So that's invaluable, and I think continues to be. Um, Valuable now, more so, more so now than it was even back uh, uh, at that point in time. So you know, I, I again, I would uh, join in echoing uh, what what both of you are saying, and and kind of a uh, a jumping off point here is is uh, looking at what some of the of the pressing national issues are. I'm going to let um, Daniel talk uh, about insurance parity, but one of the things that's near and dear to me uh, as as the Treatment profession begins uh, gray now, not just in the addiction uh, arena, but across a lot of the helping professions. Is is looking at workforce development issues. You know, you know, when Mary and I decide to uh, uh, to, to move south and and, and enjoy our uh, play golf, play play golf. Uh, yes, absolutely. Uh, uh, on a full time basis, uh, you know, who's gonna who's gonna step in? You know, uh, you know who who are who's the next generation of treatment providers, uh, and I'm not just talking about making sure folks are coming out of graduate programs in um, uh, in social work and uh, counseling profession, but folks that have a vested interest in uh, uh, the core base of knowledge uh, and skills and abilities uh, to treat addiction and. In order to do that, we've, we've got to come up with initiatives uh, around loan forgiveness, scholarships, uh, and, and, and some of the other um, legislative initiatives that are out there to in, to ensure that um, that we've got in the next generation of of treatment providers out there. Because otherwise, there's going to be this there's going to be a void. And I, I think that when we're looking at uh, federal priorities, um, that's huge, and that's huge across most helping uh, disciplines, but it's, I think it's even more significant for ours just because uh, we have such a, um, a core base of knowledge that's an overlay uh, to any therapeutic uh, uh, skill area. So, um, you know, I, I, I think, you know, it's, it's got to rank in the top three as far as uh, initiatives go. Wouldn't you say that, Daniel? Yeah, and just to echo what Jerry was saying also, when we talk about advocacy, uh, and especially when we talk about people on the ground, either addiction professionals, treatment providers, people in recovery advocating, the last thing in the world I want people to think is that you need to be a professional advocate or you need to have, you need to understand every bill number and the entire legislative history of any piece of legislation. Nothing could be further from the truth. The message, the most, the bill numbers and all is, is fine is, and is important, but the most important message that we need to portray is something that everyone who is in recovery themselves or is an addiction professional or is a treatment provider is already an expert in, which mm-hmm. is just the experience of um, 
you know, what it takes to be a treatment provider, what it takes to be in recovery, that message and educating uh, people in government about that experience is invaluable and those personal stories are just invaluable. And, you know, that's what people remember, not necessarily, um, you know, every, uh, every bill number, every statistic. So uh, the very the most basic and first and most important step that any advocate can take uh, if you're in recovery or in this field as a professional, is just to, to take your personal experience and share it with someone in government. That, by definition, is advocating, and it's it's so important. Good point. Excellent point. So what are the most pressing issues? What, what are the bills that are out there that we need to be aware of or opportunities? Or Sure. The, the most important bill right now, would probably be the insurance parity bill. And so uh, for those of you keeping score at home, H1424 in the House and S558 in the Senate. And so the, these bills um, in the House, it's called the Paul Wellstone Mental Health and Addiction Equity Act. And this bill would require insurance companies to provide equal um, benefits for people seeking mental health and addiction treatment that they provide for people seeking medical surgical treatment. And so, obviously, this would be just a huge uh, transformation of the way that treatment is provided and the access that people uh, in need of addiction treatment would have to um, the health care that they need. So this bill has been introduced for the past several years, but this year it really caught on and really has gone far further than it's ever gone before. In the Senate, the Senate approved its version of the legislation um, through what's called unanimous consent, which means that it was agreed to without even a vote because it was so clearly going to pass. And so the Senate has passed its bill and is ready to uh, ready for the House to make its move. And the House is currently trying to uh, make sure that its bill is something that would be accept- acceptable to the Senate also so that both chambers don't pass different bills, which would then have to be uh, the differences would have to be ironed out. They're trying to find a, a compromise right now that would work before they vote. And so the key right now for, for our side is to just keep pressure on the people in government to keep momentum going, not to get distracted, um, to remind them just how important this is for millions and millions of Americans with both mental health and addiction needs. And so uh, I would say that parity is certainly... Uh, the most important issue right now, and it's already been a success as far as we've taken it. Now we just need to get that last, that last little bit and signed into law. And, and I think that you know goes without saying that right now, um, getting that certainly positions um, providers, but it, you know more than anything, it, it offers a, a gateway for uh, addiction people afflicted with you know addiction to. Uh, to have access to care, and I, I think that's critical. And while we're talking about access, it, it made me made me think about uh, a huge population, Daniel, that you know you and I've been uh, working with with a, uh, a subcommittee of the Public Policy Committee uh, over the past six months or so, and that's uh, uh, veterans returning from the Middle East conflict um, and access to uh, addictions treatment, uh, and how important uh, it is that you know. Here, here's a, a generation of young men and women that, um, for, for, the, for the largest part, uh, are not, uh, you know, uh, 
standard military. You know, they're uh, they're what we've referred to over the years as weekend warriors. They're either in the guard or the reserves, and they've been called up perhaps once and, and sometimes twice uh, to go serve in uh, uh, Iraq or Afghanistan. And most of these folks are, uh, you know, working class, you know, folks. You know, that in some cases were working with us, and then 24 hours later, uh, they're over in the desert fighting, only to come back into uh, civilian life with an overlay of uh, all kinds of problems. You know, if they if they didn't have, uh, or if they had some problems with uh, uh, drugs or alcohol prior to going, uh, a lot of them are coming back with uh, uh, with. Uh, Symptoms of post-traumatic stress disorders uh, with an overlay of addiction, and in most cases, these these men and women are not able to find uh, the treatment they need. And perhaps we can continue uh, to talk about this when when we come back, because I think it's it's a it's a very very timely issue right now. I would very much like to continue this issue um, when we get back. Uh, we'll be right back to talk about. Uh, our resources and our lack of health care, as well as other issues. We'll be right back. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. Westbridge Community Services. Westbridge is a nonprofit organization dedicated to supporting the recovery of families and individuals who experience co-occurring mental illness and substance use disorders. Westbridge provides integrated dual diagnosis treatment for adult men and women using evidence-based practices. Visit our site today at westbridge.org and discover that doing what works in helping individuals and families gain recovery from dual disorders is important to the staff at Westbridge Community Services. Westbridge utilizes current evidence-based practices, consensus practices, and old-fashioned common sense to provide treatment to individuals and families that experience co-occurring mental illness and substance use disorders. That's westbridge.org, family-centered recovery for co-occurring mental illness and substance abuse disorders. For the most current and up-to-date information and options in childbearing, family health, and parenting, tune in to Celeste Ranese's Timely Topics in Childbirth, broadcasting every Wednesday at noon Pacific, 3 p.m. Eastern, on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. If you don't know your options, you don't have any. Voice America Network proudly presents The Catherine Zox Show. For women, men, children, and families, Catherine magically combines her compassion, experience, and talent to bring listeners a show that's upbeat, informative, and yes, a little sassy. Tune in every Thursday at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, 11 a.m. Eastern, to The Catherine Zox Show on the Voice America Women's Channel. Your life, your health, your network. This is Voice America Health and Wellness. You're listening to One Hour at a Time with host Mary Woods. If you have a question for Mary or her guests, call now. The listener lines are open. The toll-free number is 1-866-472-5792. That number again is 1-866-472-5792. Now, let's get back to Mary and One Hour at a Time. Welcome back, everyone. Um, we are talking about advocacy and addiction treatment, advocacy and addiction professional, advocacy and, and the person in recovery. And um, before we 
continue our discussion, one of the points that was made earlier that I would just like to expand on for a minute is um, Jerry had mentioned in our first segment about some of these reality uh, shows, be it, um, you know, well, there are a couple of them. And what, unfortunately, what happens is, is that these are reality, these are entertainment, quote unquote, shows. They're not really reflective of what happens in treatment and necessarily. And most of these shows are really taking advantage of people in the middle of their, of their illness. And I think that that's why going to advocate for treatment is so important because the general public is getting a really skewed view of what addiction treatment is, what addiction interventions are, and um, what is effective treatment. Because there are, there are so many people in recovery that um, have benefited by treatment. And, and my fear is, is that some of these shows are going to do the exact opposite of what people hope that they're going to do. Now, having um, said that, we were talking about the, the challenges facing some of our folks coming back from Iraq and Afghanistan. And um, I know that some of the reservists aren't necessarily uh, paid veterans benefits or they're not eligible, always eligible for treatment under the Veterans Administration. So, uh, Jerry and... and well, I, I, I think it's an excellent point, uh, Mary, is that um, a lot of these aren't covered, and even if they were, it's, it's, a, it's a capacity issue right now. There aren't enough, and the Veterans Administration is trying to open up uh, more programs and more sites to, to provide these services. The unfortunate side to that is is it's a bureaucracy that uh, uh, can't respond quickly enough, and one of the things that we're trying to advocate uh, through NADAC and NATAP is use resources already out there. Uh, use qualified addiction treatment providers, community mental health center providers uh, that are already in place through subcontracts with uh, the Veterans Administration and the Department of Defense. And um, we're, we're, we're a squeaky wheel right, right now, aren't we, Daniel, as far as uh, uh, getting the word out and really trying to uh, affect some change. I, I, think, I think it's critical, absolutely critical that we do this because what we don't want is a lost generation coming back uh, because we're we're going to pay now or we're going to pay later. I mean, it's 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 and I, and and we owe it to them. It's worth adding that in uh, President President Bush's State yeah. of the Union last week, he really made a emphasis on the importance of making sure that veterans have the health care that they need. And so we'll try to uh, hold him to his word on that. Mm-hmm. Um, speaking of the president, um, we have our Super Tuesday is actually tomorrow, and uh, we're on the verge of maybe um, electing the first woman or African-American president or not. And um, how does advocacy in action, and, and this year, what is, what is important about this year in the presidential election for us? Well, I think this year the... Um Addiction treatment is really in a better position than it's ever been in the past in a presidential election to really have an impact and take its place in the national debate. Now, it's important to say that that place is not going to be the same as uh, the war in Iraq or uh, national health care reform, but nevertheless, that 
we're in a position for a number of reasons to have uh, a seat at the table and to be in a position to promote the importance of addiction treatment and recovery. So uh, there's a number of, of reasons to be optimistic about this. Uh, one is that, uh, as I mentioned before, the addiction treatment groups in Washington have really uh, come together and started working jointly much more effectively than they have in the past. And because of parity, which we talked about before, which included mental health also, uh, it really brought the mental health and addiction groups together to a greater extent than, it, than they'd ever been before. And uh, one offshoot of this is that the, a number of leading addiction and mental health groups have come together to form what's called the Whole Health Campaign. Um, and uh, they have a website set up. And the Whole Health Campaign's sole purpose is to prepare mental health and addiction to have its seat at the table during these presidential elections. And so they're really focusing on uh, reaching out to the campaigns, getting candidates on record in support of mental health and addiction treatment. They're promoting uh, three, you know, very, very simple statements on the face of them, but in fact they're very, uh, it would, you know, it's taken us this long to be in a position to get these to the national stage, and those are, number one, ensure equitable and adequate mental health and addiction treatment coverage in all public and private health care plans, which is going back to a lot of um, the talk about parity that we discussed earlier, to support policies that promote individual and family recovery from mental illness and addiction as integral to overall health. In other words, uh, if there is a significant um, health care reform in this country, remember that mental health and addiction are key to any overall health care plan. And thirdly, commit to investing in America's future through prevention, early intervention, and research on mental illness and addiction. Um, again, looking forward to the future to really uh, build the basis for the science-based, evidence-based practices that work best. So the fact that these groups have all come together to promote this uh, shared message really strengthens our voice and puts us in a better position than we've been in the past. Well, and in, in, in taking off from that, I think it, it's invaluable, and I think it's uh, extremely important that, you know, that we, if we have the opportunity to challenge uh, any current candidate, uh, just that, you know, if we get that opportunity, if somehow we can get that voice out there to find out, you know, where where do they stand on those issues? Um, you know, we certainly know uh, where where Hillary stands on on health care, uh, uh, but you know, I, I want to ratchet it down. I want to know, you know, where where are you with these issues around, you know. Um, Direct care, uh, you know, uh, Obama haven't haven't heard a whole lot from him around healthcare issues in in general, and um, and and the same thing from from the Republicans. So I, you know, again, I just want to echo how vital it is. Uh, you never know when you're going to have that opportunity, and if you have that opportunity, uh, it needs to be asked. And it, and if you hear it. Um, then you can respond through, you know, primary in your state as far as, you know, beginning to make those decisions around who's going to shape, you know, um, national policy uh, for the next four and perhaps the next eight years. I think that's critical. What are the other challenges? Um, I mean, we, we've talked about policy. Um, we've talked about parity. Um, Jerry, you had mentioned earlier workforce development. Are there anything that's going on nationally um, to support our uh, profession? 
Well, I, you know, I, there, yeah, there's a lot going on. I mean, there's uh, I couldn't quote you the bills, but uh, I, I'm sure Daniel can around uh, loan forgiveness and the Health Professional Substance Abuse Education Act. Um, those are those are some of the national uh, legislative issues, but um, it seems like every week NADAC uh, is involved uh, in a discussion with a different uh, provider association around what what they're doing. And uh, interesting enough, uh, Cynthia and I had a and Daniel we had a meeting uh, a couple weeks ago with a, a large uh, uh, trade association or, or around. Uh, the issues of, you know, some of the things that they're doing. I mean, it's what we need to do is we need to, we need to form coalitions and alliances uh, because our, our problems uh, and the issues are, are very similar. What we, what we have are we, you know, we've got uh, a, twice the amount of folks in the workforce that are going to be going out only being replaced by half. You know, it's, it's, it's almost a two-to-one exchange, and what that's going to create is a huge gap, uh, not just in, 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 in our profession, but in, you know, in, in most health-related professions. So what we've got to come up with, we've got to come up with a strategy, uh, everything from making sure that wage and salaries and compensation uh, and recognition of, of, of the profession. I mean, it's, uh, it's, it's, not, it's not a real... Um, Excuse the expression. It's not a real sexy profession uh, to be in. To, to you know, to, to be treating the uh, uh, actually the the addict or the alcoholic, uh, but also you know, uh, folks with uh, with behavioral health disorders. They, you know, it, it's it's not it's not the top of the food chain in terms of uh, of recognition. You know, we're consistently and constantly battling you know stigma. Uh, Around that, and you know what we need to do is is engage the media more to 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 raise the profile to you know to to change the, you know go back to what we've been we were talking about earlier about looking at what the face of recovery looks like you know we all know who it is it's you know turn to your left, turn to your right, and that's the that's the that's the face of recovery unfortunately, it gets stereotyped you know particularly around addiction. Around you know the uh, the terminal stage alcoholic or you know uh, the courthouse square kind of individual that you know can't you know make ends meet from day to day in terms of supply when in reality we we know what it is uh, it's it's increasingly difficult <clears throat> to bring individuals uh, into this profession and. Unfortunately, what can happen, and Mary, you and I have had this conversation, is you know we can abdicate our profession uh, to another discipline just because we don't have enough bodies uh, to kind of stand the line and and be able to be out there day in and day out. So you know, going back and looking at um, like the Second Chance Act, you know, and uh, looking at uh, loan forgiveness, you know, uh, you know, don't you know. Reduce some of the barriers that, that allow folks uh, to get into this profession. Daniel, and you could probably you could probably talk specifically about what some of the initiatives out there are. Sure, I guess I would say I'm a little bit um, I'm not quite as optimistic as you, Jerry, about the current uh, amount of activity surrounding workforce development, considering the enormous need. Uh, the president's budget is being released uh, today, more or less as we speak, and 
you know, it's predicted to have very, very significant cuts um, via the it's a three trillion dollar budget, but um, there's a lot of cuts, mostly in the healthcare area, and so it's going to be increasingly difficult, I think, to get um, you know federal funding for these things. So we'll have to keep keep trying, but at the same time keep an open mind and keep looking in other uh, other places where we might be able to find some workforce development help. Um, we'll Good. be right back for our final segment of uh, one hour at a time. Uh, we'll, we will be talking about the Advocacy and Action Day, uh, the importance of the Political Action Committee, and a little bit about the discrimination that um, exists for people who are uh, trying to recover from a substance use disorder. A fresh look at today's health. Voice America Health and Wellness. Westbridge Community Services. Westbridge is a nonprofit organization dedicated to supporting the recovery of families and individuals who experience co-occurring mental illness and substance use disorders. Westbridge provides integrated dual diagnosis treatment for adult men and women using evidence-based practices. Visit our site today at westbridge.org and discover that doing what works in helping individuals and families gain recovery from dual disorders is important to the staff at Westbridge Community Services. Westbridge utilizes current evidence-based practices, consensus practices, and old-fashioned common sense to provide treatment to individuals and families that experience co-occurring mental illness and substance use disorders. That's westbridge.org, family-centered recovery for co-occurring mental illness and substance abuse disorders. The incidence of autism has increased at an alarming rate. Autism One, a conversation of hope, hosted by Betsy Hicks, illuminates how right now there is more reason than ever for individuals with autism spectrum disorders and their families to have the best hope for the brightest future. Autism is treatable, and given appropriate therapies, children are recovering. With well-known researchers and doctors, members of Congress, and expert service providers from a wide range of disciplines, Betsy offers interviews and insights highlighting the progress in areas related to autism spectrum disorders such as biomedical research and treatment, communication, education, and behavioral modalities, adult services, sociological and philosophical issues, and legislative advocacy and insurance concerns. Autism One, a conversation of hope, broadcasts each Tuesday at 9 a.m. Pacific, noon Eastern, on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Autism One, a conversation of hope. Through education and conversation, there is hope. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. You're listening to One Hour at a Time with host Mary Woods. If you have a question for Mary or her guests, call now. The listener lines are open. The toll-free number is 1-866-472-5792. That number again is 1-866-472-5792. Now, let's get back to Mary and One Hour at a Time. Welcome back, everybody, to One Hour at a Time. This is a show on advocacy and um, the importance of being able to um, have a a future for addiction treatment, and that's really what advocacy is about. And, you know, Jerry had mentioned stigma, and I would like to challenge us to kind of think beyond stigma that what we're facing is really discrimination. Mm. There is no other 
healthcare uh, event that I know of where when you're in the throes of your disease, you're denied tr- access to care. Um, people who don't stop smoking but continue to have uh, heart problems or respiratory problems aren't told in the emergency room, well, you've had your two uh, inpatient stays and come back when you stop smoking. Um, that doesn't happen to people with diabetes or other chronic illnesses. And, um, you know, it seems to me like public policy is a good place to look at some of these discriminatory practices. And if I could just add, Mary, it's not without uh, precedent that a, gr- uh, a disease which has been heavily, heavily stigmatized has come around to become part of the mainstream health system in this country. The two most prominent examples are cancer and AIDS, and the public advocacy, both on the part of professionals in Washington, but even more importantly, um, of grassroots advocates around the country, to promote the idea that cancer, which, you know, going back even not even 30 years, obituaries wouldn't even mention that someone died from cancer because there was such a stigma against Mm -hmm. it. Um, and AIDS even more recently where, you know, even as much as 10 years ago and to some extent today, people, uh, you know, there's a lot of uh, negative stigma associated with AIDS, but far, far less today than there was, um, you know, 10, 20 years ago. Uh, and really we're trying to look at the experience of groups like the American Cancer Society and the various uh, AIDS rights groups and to try to make addiction the next in that line of public health uh, crises which were denied access to, to the mainstream public health treatment in the United States and suffered from this huge amount of discrimination and stigma in, in the way it was perceived publicly, and to try to mainstream that into people's understanding of what it means to have addiction and have the disease of addiction and what it means to provide the treatment needed for people with that disease. Well, how how timely that you would bring that up? Don't we have the uh, <laughs> the, the best opportunity for uh, addiction professionals and uh, uh, friends of ours in the uh, addiction arena to 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 come to Washington in uh, in March and uh, join us in uh, the 2008 Advocacy and Action Conference from March 9th through the 11th at the uh, the DoubleTree uh, in Crystal City. Um, you know, all of us, you know, the three of us have been there before, and uh, hopefully many of the folks that are out there listening to us have, have had the opportunity. But, boy, you talk about the, the chance to rub elbows with the, uh, the decision makers. I think this is, you know, it's, 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 it's a great opportunity, whether you've, you've never been there before or you're returning for, you know, the, the 20th time. It's, um, it's an excellent opportunity to to learn and to to literally go and meet with um, your federal representatives in their office. And, uh, uh, Daniel, why, why don't you talk about what, what, what the venue is? Sure. So this is the 21st year that NADAC has um, sponsored this conference, and this is the first year that NADAC and NAATP are co-sponsoring the conference, again, as an offshoot of that shared government relations department that we're operating. And the conference is open also to people who are not members of either NADAC or NAATP. So it's open to anyone who cares about this issue. And we will provide the informational briefing on what current legislation um, affects addiction treatment, prevention, and recovery in America. We will provide trainings on 
how to communicate with people in Congress, and also how to stay active as an advocate all year round once you go home from Washington, how to stay up to date on what's going on, how to stay involved, how to communicate um, throughout the year with decision makers so that they understand uh, and are educated about the needs of addiction treatment professionals and treatment providers. And then lastly, we get give you the opportunity to put these new skills directly into practice by meeting with your members of Congress. And again, as we've said a number of times during the hour, the face-to-face personal stories are so important. Um, if a picture is worth a thousand words, then a, a one-on-one conversation must be worth a million. And so to have people go up and give their one-on-one stories, give their personal testimonies of why X, Y, and Z policy decisions really matter to them and to their community and their family uh, is hugely important to the the broadest um, advocacy mission that we have, um, as well as being a sort of an ongoing outlet for them to to communicate with decision makers in Congress. So we really, really encourage anyone with an interest in this to come, and uh, we will uh, we're confirming speakers every day now, and it'll be a, a, a full schedule, but really a worthwhile one and um, should be a great event. Well, and I think some of the other things, too, I, that, that's a good summarization. I think one of the other things that we, we do is we recognize uh, uh, through a, we have a legislative awards dinner, and I think it's, it's critical that we recognize some of our friends on the Hill that uh, have been extremely helpful in in, in moving forward legislative initiatives as well as uh, addiction professionals that, that have done the same thing. And also paramount of importance during this time is that we're, um, we're also uh, raising funds through our PAC. We have a, our annual uh, PAC uh, reception and, and auction, which, as, as you said earlier, Daniel, you know, with the, uh, the NADAC, NATAP, uh, particularly with the NADAC PAC, the ability, you know, we're, we're the only ones out there on the Hill representing specifically the issues around uh, addictions treatment. So um, I, th- I think it's critical that uh, uh, during this time we do get the opportunity to, to, to raise funds, to, to get our voice uh, and agenda pushed forward on the Hill. I mean, that, that's how it works, and this is, this is part of the mechanism, and I think it's, it's, it's interesting and it's an it's enjoyable uh, time. It's not just about, um, you know, coming down, going through workshops. It's actually putting it into action, which, you know, ergo our name, it's advocacy in action, which I, I you know, it's, it's, uh, it's a lot, it's a lot of fun. So I, I think that the thing that I would want to encourage is, yeah, this can be, you could be a novice at this or, uh, never having done it. And it's an excellent opportunity to come. And if, if you're, if you're not sure how you want to do it or how you can do it, you can certainly pair up with folks that have done it. We're going to try to do some mentoring this year. Uh, with with folks that haven't had the opportunity uh, to spend time with the with the representatives, Daniel had mentioned earlier about um, cancer and HIV having become more mainstream in our um, healthcare, and you know this is really about um, having addiction and substance use disorders become mainstream. And the reason HIV and cancer succeeded is that people who had HIV, people who experienced cancer, their family members finally said, you know, we don't want to die from this. We don't deserve to die from this, and we want you to do something about it. And they were very assertive. They were very outspoken, 
and every time you turn the television on, they were there. And and we really need to encourage families and individuals and treatment providers to um, to to be that loud, continuous voice. And this um, advocacy in action will give everybody a chance to do that. Um, you can also link on to uh, NATAC.org or NATAP.org to learn more about how to advocate and this conference. I'd also like to thank um, the National Association of Addiction Treatment Providers uh, for uh, co-sponsoring Daniel's position as well as uh, this upcoming conference. Daniel and Jerry, thank you so much for uh, being on the show. And we're hoping to do this live from the Advocacy in Action conference on March 10th. Thank you, Mary. Thank you, Mary. See you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Appreciate you joining us today for one hour at a time. Successful recovery from a substance abuse problem or mental illness depends on education and support of loved ones. Thank you for being that support system. Be sure to tune in next week for another hour of education and compassion. One hour at a time. We'll see you next week.